Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerd Up Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except sometimes the author stops by. It is November of 2021, and our selection this month is Sarah McLean's Bombshell. It is about Cecily Talbot, who people sometimes call sexily because she does what she wants. I kind of think that's actually all I need to say right now for the sake of spoilers. Bombshell is Sarah McLean's 15th book. They are all romance novels. The tagline of her website is, I write books, there is smooching in them. Sarah is with me now. Sarah, hi. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This book is just like such a treat like the word I keep thinking of is romp like it's just so much fun (laughs) I mean honestly I wrote this book in the middle of a pandemic like many of the people who wrote books that are coming Uh out this year and all I wanted was a romp so hearing that is a (laughs) really great joy (laughs) so under that for the book club we've done like a cute modern day rom-com but never like a you know Regency era bodice ripper Mm -hmm. which I mean, you would call this a bodice ripper, right? Um, I would call it a bodice ripper in a kind of loving, in the way that I love romance novels so much that I'm allowed to call them bodice rippers. How about that? Yeah. I feel like it's just such a fascinating genre. It's changed so much. You're leaning into so many of the traditions while coming up with your own, like, fun, sexy feminist spin at the same time. I mean, I think that romance novels get a bad rap. Um, I, there's, there is a, a very real sense of they haven't, they couldn't possibly have changed since the 1980s when my grandma read mm. them. Um, and the truth is, is that romance evolves so quickly, largely because romance readers are so voracious and read on average something like 10 to 12 books a month. Oh my um, God. Yeah. And so romance writers have to be equally voracious and feed the beast. And so we are writing just generally faster as a genre huh. than most of the other genres, which means that our books have to evolve. They're all holding a mirror up to the world. And so the idea that historical romances like the ones that I write would still be stuck in the 80s is um, not accurate. So we're writing, uh, we're writing in the 1800s for 2021. And so the books feel really modern, I think. They really do. It's interesting to think about romance as a genre and how much it has changed even just over the last couple of years, I think, especially in terms of like book covers, you know, like Mm -hmm. it seems like there's been a real shift from, you know, Bucks and Beauties and Dudes with Low Cut Shirts to like kind of cute cartoony, like something you could bring to the beach or read on the train and not have someone immediately be like, oh, is it are they are they having sex right now? You know, (laughs) Um, but I don't know. I feel like your work is still very consistently buxom. Like, yeah. you know, you look at the cover of Bombshell and like, you know, there's this lady with like a really beautiful crimson dress and she's kind of like pulling it up over her knee to show some thigh. Sure. 
And, you know, like on the back, there's like, you know, there's the a clinch. Like, the clinch. Yeah. I mean, has oh, power. my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Why lean into that? Romance has always had this place in literature where it is the it's the work of romance to honor our private lives as mm. people and, you know, for many, many years, largely as women. Um, and so it's a pretty domestic genre in the sense that it centers a gaze that isn't traditionally centered in media as a matter of course. And it is also one of the few genres where women and, you know, other marginalized people can live happy, fulfilled lives, including having happy, fulfilled sex lives mm -hmm. um, without dying or being tortured or, um, you know, living out their days in a terrible, um, sad way at the end of the book. And that means that the sex is a piece of it, a happy fulfilled orgasmic sex life is part of a lot of most romances. Um, mm. And so for me, the covers are important. It is important to honor that piece of us as readers and as people and as humans. Um, and then on top of it, the covers mean something to the readers. They're a code. It's a um, it's a it's a signal to readers what's inside the book. When you pick up one of my books with my covers, if you're a longtime romance reader, you know what you're getting. You're getting the story of a strong, fiery heroine who is about to face down society and possibly a hero and come out as a winner on the other side. And that's important to me that the that the books the covers reflect that. That's what this cover has reflected for 50 years of the genre. And so I feel really strongly that the covers should continue to have that kind of sexy feel to them. There is something really fun about it. Yeah. I mean, once you start to understand the language of the romance novel cover, it starts to feel like a very different kind of thing. Yes, of course, people who don't understand the genre mock them. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a reason why... The lady in the big dress is on the cover of historicals and why, you know, a cartoony cover ends up on a rom-com, on a contemporary rom-com. It's, it's all there. It's packaging. It's all there to tell the reader what they'll find inside this book that they will read and devour and hopefully adore. Mm -hmm. So this book is set in like the mid-ish 1800s, we can say. Um which I don't know, it's such a fascinating time because like in so many ways it does seem super sexy, but it's also so modest, which might also be super sexy. <laughs> What's appealing to you about that time period? I love the historical time period. I really come at my books thinking, well, what story am I going to do I want to tell in 2021, for example? Mm -hmm. um, so in the case of Bombshell, I was writing um, during the pandemic. Um, I finished it. I wrote it entirely. Um, during the pandemic. Wow. And so for me, it was really important that I write a book that felt really delicious and fun and luxurious mm -hmm. and had a big world full of really extra people doing extra <laughs> things because so many of us were not didn't have the luxury of, you know, even having a small world <laughs> full yeah, of totally. ordinary people doing <laughs> ordinary things. And so the goal of Bombshell was very much to tell a a big bold rompy story that also honored 
you know, all my books are, I hope, you know, read very feminist and honor this yeah. idea of women being able to take charge of their lives and live out loud. And that is a thing that is uh, a really, it's a, it's fun to set that against a, a society and a time when living out loud for women was more dangerous than it is for us now. Yeah, that's partly what I was wondering about when you're thinking about historical accuracy. I mean, obviously, this is fiction. In the end, you can do whatever you mm -hmm. want. But like, how do you decide what to kind of hold on to and what to let go of in terms of kind of capturing that era? My experience with research and historical accuracy is that there are very few things that you can imagine as a as a novelist that didn't actually happen in real life back then. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't put a cell phone in or a, or a car. <laughs> um, but the truth is that Bombshell, it's the first book in a series, and the entire series is focused on a Victorian-era girl gang um, called the Hell's Bells. And they are um, basically kicking ass, taking names, fighting the patriarchy, um, and, you know, trying to destroy bad men who do bad things. Um and the truth is that they are loosely based on a girl gang called the 40 Elephants. And the 40 Elephants were the largest shoplifting ring ever in the history of the UK. And they oh were entirely peopled by women. Um, and they were run by these remarkable uh, women who were called their queens. Um, and they absolutely took advantage of misogyny and patriarchy in order to get crime done. And <laughs> so when I get emails that say like this stuff would never happen, like these girl this girl gang would never happen in in Victorian England, my response is actually here is a great piece of nonfiction oh on God. the 40 elephants who did exist. They started in the 1870s and ran until the 1960s when their final queen died and was buried wow. in a stolen dress from Herod's. What? Oh, my God. So that's almost 100 years. Yeah. I mean, this was that's a real amazing. deal. Like, if you are a Peaky Blinders fan, the 40 Elephants existed right alongside the Peaky Blinders wow. for a, a while. So for me, the history in the books is real. We wouldn't blink if I wrote this book now, set in 2021. Um, and I, I don't think we're that different. That's so cool. Do you ever feel like it's too challenging to try to come up with something that does fit in that time frame or it all works so it's fine? Yeah, I mean, I have to say I don't I don't think I've ever had an idea that I couldn't find at least some evidence of. Um, wow. You know, historical romance novelists, we spend a lot of time on author's notes <laughs> because we get a lot of emails that say, you know, oh, they would never use this word or um, they would never they would they would never do this thing or they would never wear this dress or, you know, they would never be allowed into this room. And mm -hmm. I think um, when you start to look at at historical documents, you know, for example, um, my heroine Cecily in this book uses an IUD. Um and that's a thing that existed. <laughs> but birth control, you know, the, the history of birth control is not something that we're all taught in school. And so there is always a real sense that, oh, well, she must have made that up. It's an anachronism. And it's not. IUDs actually come from ancient Egypt. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the other cool thing about writing historicals. The amount of fun, interesting stuff that you learn is, you know, you're great at a cocktail party after a few of them. 
<laughs> I have no doubt about that. <laughs> a really good friend of mine, Joanna Shoup, writes uh, writes Gilded Age New York historicals that are absolutely mm. delicious. She has a series called The Uptown Girls, which if you loved Bombshell, you will love, love, love uh, Joanna's series. And she, she, her, my favorite piece of of information from Joanna's life is that she once did a bunch of research at a carriage museum to make sure that you could have penetrative sex inside the carriage. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, look, if you're writing contemporaries, you're probably not doing that kind of hard hitting research. Hard hitting. (laughs) Wait, so like in terms of like the axles or like just the, the, room size. inside of it I, the size i think i think the question Space. was does the cabin Surfaces. of the carriage actually allow for you know i mean for these massive men because they're all you know 80 feet tall all shoulders <laughs> exactly after the break sarah mclean talks about the historical romance of 2020 from the mornings you ease to the evenings you quiet to the dreams you inhabit my thoughts of you never end. Yep, we're talking about Bridgerton. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org/events. I feel like we can't have a conversation about historical romance without talking about Bridgerton just because, you know, I mean, it was originally a book series. It was adapted into this like insanely successful Netflix series. How do you think that will change the game? Um, I hope it brings 82 million households to historical romance, honestly. (laughs) Um, You know, Bridgerton is one of those series that when you... um, I grew up reading historical romance when I got to college. Bridgerton was in the library of my house, the house that I lived in at college. (laughs) Um, And so that's my first... My first uh, brush with the Bridgertons was then. And I... You know, it's a series that romance readers know and have loved for 20 years. And so it made sense that Bridgerton would be the big first. Um, But there are so many, many other series and so many remarkable places that, um, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have the breadth and depth of romance that we have today, thanks in large part to ebooks and independent publishing and a vast array of new voices. And so my hope is that the rest of the world starts to notice that romance has power and it has value outside of, you know, a thing that we snicker at because of the covers. Um, I think romance is the only genre that codifies the happily ever after Hmm. it's the only genre that writes from a position of hope and happiness as a matter of course Hmm. um you know our covenant with our readers is that we will take you on a vast emotional journey with the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and at the end you will be safe and okay and be able to you know continue your journey 
um, ever after. And the truth is that in the past, we have been really mocked for that. And there's no reason for you to mock happiness. Like Happiness is the most important goal. But I think Bridgerton is is hopefully going to open up this idea that uh, love and sex and happily ever after are not, uh, they're not for jokes. They're for life. And they're for mm. our entertainment, too. I mean, I think it, Bridgerton was so fun. Oh, my God. It was a great time. Gorgeous dresses, sexy yeah. people doing sexy things. It was funny because my younger brother, who's like a very bro-y person, texted me and was like, am I about to read these books? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I mean, yeah, man. Like, if you want to read the books, you should read the books. Yeah. Like, I mean, I do think that that's the thing, too. Romance is so much about emotion. And that's not to say that there aren't, that other books aren't about emotion, but romance is almost more about emotion than anything else. And so the books become textbooks for how to communicate and how to live in emotion and how to deal with emotion and how to articulate emotion. And that's really valuable. I mean, I think there's a sense of um, romance readers being able to communicate with their partners and with other people in their lives in a in a different kind of way because mm-hmm. they've invested themselves 10 to 12 times a month in these books that are really about feelings. And we could all, it feels like in 2021, we could all stand to be a little more thoughtful about feelings. Yeah. Well, and the idea of having those feelings, but also feeling seen and held and comforted yeah. throughout that process, you know? Like, I think there is something really important about that. Yeah. Having your feelings being honored. Yeah. And that is always the moment, right? At the end of the romance, there's always the moment where one partner looks at the other and realizes that, like, the work is honoring each other's feelings. Yeah. Oh, fuck, Sarah. That's just so nice. (laughs) So you have talked about a couple of the sort of, like, genre musts just now. Are there any others that you think are really important? I mean, the the only must is Happily Ever After. Everything else is fair game. There are things that are tricky, right? I mean, a hero shouldn't cheat on a heroine. Um, right. And But, you know, I've seen that done and it's worked. Um, and <laughs> just like any other genre in the hands of a magnificent author, and there are so many magnificent authors in romance, anything goes as long as it ends with the promise of partnership and happiness and hope. And so for me, that is the only job that and – uh, the romance has to be central. It has to be about these these two or three or four or however many characters have to who are falling in love. Um, it has to be their love story that drives the whole book. Um, and I think that's where we start to get into people outside of the genre try really hard to tell us what romance should and should not be, what books are and are not romances. Um, and the truth is, is that if the romance isn't absolutely central, the driving force of the book, it's not a romance. It might be a glorious novel. It might be commercial mm-hmm. fiction, the best piece of commercial fiction we've ever read. But um, but the romance, romance is essential. Love is is the heartbeat of a romance novel. Well, and something that I think is really interesting, I mean, especially when it comes to newer iterations of this, which actually I ended up talking to um, – Christina and Lauren, the authors of Soulmate Equation, about this. Some of my very favorite people. Yeah. Well, and like just the whole idea that, you know, I I think where things can feel tricky, especially for me as like a pretty single person these Mm -hmm. days, is that like a happily ever after can feel like a bummer if 
if you as a reader feel like, oh, well, I must be deficient Mm. because I don't have a person and I don't have this happily ever after. But I feel like so much of what's coming out these days is so much more about heroines who are like fully actualized human you know it's not like i'm missing my other half it's more like i'm living this really excellent awesome life and how cool if i get to share it with someone but also whatever yeah i mean i think bombshell is a book that really is about that that is about a community Mm -hmm. of people um you know all women, but a community of women who are there for each other, who love each other, who care for each other, who are partners with each other, who are willing to kind of ride their ride or die. They are. And when he, when the hero Caleb comes into the picture for Cecily, um, he has to learn how to be a part of her world. And I think um, that is the hallmark of a real modern romance. Um, and that might that did not exist in the early days of the genre in the same way. Certainly it did in some in some books, but mm-hmm. um it used to be that that romances felt like it was, you know, a man and a woman on their own who meet each other and then are two against the world. And now I think we're seeing in modern romance that, you know, like you said, heroines have really rich lives. All people yeah. have really rich lives. And Mm -hmm. when we become partners, when we find somebody who we want to be a partner to or who we want to be our partner, we don't want them alone. We want them in our group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned that romance readers like the fandom is strong. Genre. (laughs) They're reading a lot. They're sending you the emails. Does that ever drive you crazy? Like how much, you know, as a person who has written a great many books at this point, like how do you balance prioritizing what you think your readers are showing up for versus what you're interested in writing? Well, that's a good question. Um, I am a romance reader first. um, Mm. And I can some days I can absolutely imagine never writing another word, but I can never imagine never reading another romance novel. Um, And so for me, when I sit down with a book, when I sit down to work, I'm always thinking about my readers. Um, And what I mean by that is there are covenants that I have with my readers. I'm going to rip your heart out at some point during this book, but I'm (laughs) I'm hoping you're going to trust me. That at the, at the end, we'll get there together. But that said, I do think a lot about what romance readers want. Um, there, is, there are rules to the genre that are not hard and fast, um, like tropes, for example, which if you're a mm-hmm. fanfic reader or, um, you know, any genre reader, there are tropes. Um, but romance has some really important tropes, you know, marriage of convenience or secret baby or only one bed, <laughs> um, uh, wallflower rake or grumpy sunshine, right? These are <laughs> these are tropes that we inherently know are going to be delicious. Um, and when we set them down on the page, there is an, uh, an expectation, a promise of the premise, so to speak. So I do spend a lot of time going, okay, so for example, right now I'm writing a road trip romance and Mm. um, there are promises to that premise right like if they're on a road trip they're not in separate carriages and if they're on a road trip when they get to the posting in one night there's definitely going to be only one room right (laughs) (laughs) and I can imagine that some people out there are listening and they kind of roll their eyes at that like oh isn't that so cliche like isn't that so expected and yeah it is it is expected because it's fucking great (laughs) 
<laughs> and so there are, you know, my work is to say, all right, the situation here is there is only one room, but how do I make it just a little bit, a little bit twisted, um, just a touch more exciting? What is the What's the spin I'm going to put on there's only one room, only one bed in this particular inn? Um, and so that's the fun stuff. You know, uh, romance is, is doing ballet in a phone booth. You know, you're perfectly free as long as you stay in, inside the box. That's perfect. Sarah, thank you so much for talking with me and for doing such great ballet in a phone booth. It's just a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Greta. This was really great. That's Sarah McLean. Her latest book, Bombshell, is Nerdette's November book club pick. Once you've read it, we would love to hear from you about it. Is romance usually a genre you go for? Did you have a favorite character? Why? Share any and all of your thoughts with us. Just record yourself on your phone and then email the file to nerdettepodcast at gmail.com. And then come back on the last Tuesday of the month to hear the discussion. I can't wait for you to tune in. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.